Good morning, Cornerstone. My name is Matthew, and I will be doing the scripture reading for today, which comes from Luke chapter 6, verses 20 to 26. And he lifted up his eyes on his disciples and said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you shall be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you and when they exclude you and revile you and spurn your name as evil on the account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven, for so their fathers did to the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now, for you shall be hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep. Woe to you when all people speak well of you, for so their fathers did to the false prophets. This is the word of the Lord. It's great to be with you again, Cornerstone family. And as we persevere, continue to persevere through this pandemic, may the Lord God's grace and peace be in our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so we continue our message of a series of messages through Luke, and we continue to focus on the teachings of Christ because our goal is to be following Jesus as his disciples and knowing what his teachings are so we can live in obedience to him. But of course, we can only do that through the power of his spirit who indwells us. So we're in chapter six when Jesus gave this teaching specifically to his disciples, uh, those who have intentionally decided to follow him and learn from him. And a little earlier in this chapter, Jesus chose 12 men uh, and named them apostles, which simply means sent ones, uh, a person who is sent. And so there's a specific purpose behind that. And, but uh, Jesus chose these 12 from the many disciples that were following him at that time. And listen carefully to how Luke described the setting for today's text in Luke uh, 6, 20 through 26. That's our text. But a few verses before that, Luke sets this up. And this is what he says there. He says, And he came down with them, and he stood on a level place with a great crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people from all Judea and Jerusalem and the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon who came to hear him <clears throat> and to be healed of their diseases. Now, the first words of our text today emphasize that Jesus addressed his disciples, his followers. And, and listen to verse 20. It starts saying, And he lifted up his eyes on his disciples and said, Now, this text is often referred to as Luke's version of the Beatitudes. Uh, it's a, a term used uh, in a reference to uh, an account of another teaching of Jesus that's similar uh, in Matthew, the account of the Gospel Matthew in chapter 5. Uh, and that teaching is called the Beatitudes. And because of the similarities, this teaching in Luke is also called Luke's version of the Beatitudes. But it does not include the woes of Luke's version. Uh, that we will see in our text, or we had heard read for us earlier. Uh, Luke's account is part of what is called Jesus' Sermon on the Plain, because it starts saying, uh, the verses before talk about him being on this leveled ground, a plain. While Matthew's account is part of 
seen as part of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. So it's described there in a different location. So there's this ongoing debate on whether or not uh, Luke's account or Matthew's account uh, is the same uh, occasion, same teaching that Jesus gave and just um, different details are messed up. Uh, or So there's this ongoing debate. But uh, we know um, that Jesus was an itinerant preacher, right? He, he spoke in many different cases and different situations, and he repeated his teachings over and over again for sure. And so this might just be, and this is where I land, uh, that he's using similar teaching uh, in different locations on a different occasion. Um, and that's why there's, they're similar, but also quite different um, in these two gospel accounts. In today's text, we learn that Jesus was encouraging his followers to anticipate their eternal future, anticipate heaven, and then also warning others who are not following him of their future, which is not good. So Jesus wanted both groups to understand where they were going to ultimately end up and keep that in mind. Do you know where you're going to ultimately end up? Do you... I mean, is it going to be heaven or hell? Do you know for sure? Where do you want to end up? What is your life goal? When you think about it, what is your life goal right now in your mind? Because the goals that we set for the future is what determines really how we live each and every day. Think about it. What we have in mind determines the steps we take and the direction we make. Uh, and if we don't have a goal in mind, then we are lost and we feel lost. Uh, we have no purpose. And this is so true because if you think about it, every new year, people are often motivated to make resolutions, which is just simply setting goals. And the most common goal is to lose a certain amount of weight or related to our health in some way, like exercising in some uh, specific way. And this future goal that is set, um, often as the days go by, uh, is not achieved because we experience the biggest obstacle to reaching our future goals. And that is the now. What happens now is the obstacle to what we hope to get to in the future. Uh, the urgent now, the circumstances now, how I feel now. And these things make us lose focus of what we had in mind for the future. You know, last year, I once mentioned in a, one of the messages uh, that I was regularly doing push-ups. And I had made good progress toward my goal of reaching um, of a total of over 200 push-ups uh, in my morning exercise. And my goal actually was 210, uh, three reps. So I would do first 80 push-ups, and then the second rep, 70, and the third rep, 60. And I reached my goal, and I had nothing to work toward any longer. And I reached my goal at the beginning of September of 2020. And something very interesting changed over that month of September as I kept doing my push-ups. So I look at my records, I kept track, and I, I, I reached the goal, and all my times I did push-ups in September, I just hit that goal every time. 
But in my heart, something changed. And my last time doing push-ups regularly, I see, was September 29th, 2020. And so I regret to say that I have not done push-ups regularly since that day. And that's some months ago. Um, you know, I don't like doing push-ups. But I did them because of the goal I had in mind. It propelled me, um, this future I had in mind, that I reached in that sense. But without that now, without any goal there in mind, um, it affects my everyday living because of the now that gets in the way of doing regular push-ups. And what I mean is like, I don't feel like doing it now. Um, I'm too tired now, or I don't have time now, and all these things that enter my mind. And so I lost focus of the future because I didn't have anything in mind for the future for my push-up exercising. Because the now fills my mind more so than what I should have in, for the future. The same applies to us in everything. Everything that demands our attention now pulls our minds away from thinking of the future uh, and our future goals. Jesus knew this, and so he encouraged his followers, his disciples, to anticipate, to keep in mind the eternity they had in God's kingdom and all that meant uh, for them as citizens of that kingdom. And today, the same applies to us who follow Jesus as Lord and Savior. But our problem continues to be that we are nearsighted. Uh, we easily focus on things close to us, but have difficulty focusing on things that are far in the distant future. You know, since high school, I have been slightly nearsighted. And, uh, but interestingly, now at this age, and age of 54, um, I have a hard time. The last few years, I've had a hard time focusing on things really close to me. So my nearsightedness has changed. But interestingly, uh, the things that uh, my farsighted and the things in the distance, I've gotten better at seeing. Uh, my eye doctor, I just went and saw and got a checkup. He said, actually, my eyesight's getting better. Well, in the distance, but close up, it's not. And I find this is so true for many people as we get older. Um, people, as they get older, often see the end of their lives getting closer. And so it's easier for them to focus on it um, as death looms closer. Uh, the older we get, the more we think of the end of our lives. And the elderly, for sure, think of death all the time, while the very young rarely think of the end of their life. Jesus encouraged his disciples to anticipate their future in God's kingdom that he had prepared for them in the midst of their present struggles, to give them hope, to encourage them to persevere. And the same applies to us. Well, he started saying, uh, he started this teaching by saying in Luke chapter 6, verse 20, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Here the word blessed means simply fortunate. So we could say fortunate are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. That's what he was saying. The kingdom of God is essentially the absolute dominion of God over the universe and the world, uh, both in physical and spiritual senses. Now, have you ever heard anyone say, wow, I am so fortunate 
for being so poor? Uh, of course not. We've never heard that. But Jesus was not teaching here that um, we all must become poor in order to become fortunate, like he was saying. No, poverty was not what made these followers, these disciples of Jesus, fortunate. No, rather it was their hope and belief in Christ himself as Lord um, and the future that he had prepared for them that made them fortunate, their future in God's kingdom. So Jesus was speaking to his followers that those who happened to be poor, that lived in poverty, uh, were fortunate because they were citizens of the kingdom of God and would experience then God's riches for eternity. So their, their poverty was temporary, just like a dot, while their future was a line that went on forever and ever. They could have hope in Jesus in the midst of their poverty, because of what their future was in God's kingdom. But then in verse 24, Jesus gave a warning in regards to this same topic to others. He said, but woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Now, Jesus was not teaching here as well that being wealthy um, was in sense the warning. If you're wealthy, watch out. Uh, though we need to take more um, caution if we have great wealth, but rather he was saying the self-reliant heart that is often accompanied with riches, with wealth. Um, we need to be aware of that. Woe to you who have that attitude of self-reliance, trust in your wealth and your power that you think you have because of your wealth. Th these people are nearsighted for all they see is the now, their present wealth, their present material accumulation that gives them influence because they do not see their future destruction. The wealth they have is all that they will enjoy because it'll go away and their future is not good. They will not experience God's eternal riches because they trust in themselves only. As 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17 teaches, saying, as for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. Wealth continues to be a real obstacle to following Jesus. And most of us listening to this message right now are really wealthy compared to the standard of this world. So we just take a look at the things, uh, think of the things that you like to collect. Think of the things um, that you own or have, uh, where we live. Think of where we live. Think of where we've traveled, what vacations we hope to take, um, how much we've spent on entertainment or eating out or on our clothes or on our car uh, or, or on our hobbies. Uh, these, when we think of these things in a, as American Christians, uh, these things are all there um, because of our great wealth that we have living in this country. Um, think of the things that we have hope in getting. The things in mind we're thinking of like, yeah, yeah, I want to get that someday. Um, do we need these things? Uh, could we do without these things? Why do we want these things? 
Um, mostly it's because of uh, pleasure. We want pleasure or we want something for convenience to make our lives more convenient or, or just to feel good. Well, focusing on the now, uh, the wealth that we have that enables us to acquire things for ourselves or do things that gives us pleasure, it's being nearsighted and it's losing focus on the eternity God has for us in his kingdom. But when we keep the eternal future in mind, then how we view our wealth changes to being viewed as a blessing that God has given us for the purpose of the work in his kingdom and helping others in need. It is more blessed to give than to receive. We can evaluate simply how we view our wealth right now by looking and evaluating how much we give away of our wealth generously. Think about it right now. How much have you given away from what God has given you? And I'm not even talking about if you have an income, like you're working, but from what you receive from gifts of others or whatever. Um, how much from what God has provided us do we give away generously? And this will show us how we view our wealth currently. Are we focused on the now or are we focused on the eternity God has in mind uh, for us and has prepared for us? Jesus also encouraged his disciples saying in verse 21, Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you shall be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. Hungry here means physical hunger, but also it means a hunger for righteousness, a hunger for God and his ways. Those who weep describe both those who are, are mourning um, tragedy or loss in their lives, as well as a general mourning over the sinfulness of this world. And notice how the word now is connected to both hunger and weep, right? Blessed are you who are hungry now, who weep now, for you shall be satisfied, for you shall laugh. Uh, the now and then the future, right? Hungry now and you will be satisfied. You shall be satisfied. Um, weep now, you shall laugh. Our future in God's kingdom gives us hope in the midst of our hardships that we face now. But again, Jesus gave a warning in verse 25, saying, Woe to you who are full now, for you shall be hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep. Jesus warned those who are full now, uh, meaning those who think they are satisfied without God. Um, they're full of themselves in the sense uh, they're self-satisfied who do not hunger after God or his ways or his righteousness. Those who laugh now are those who are focused on pleasure and entertainment um, now and whose hearts have grown calloused to evil or toward evil. They're just focusing on whatever makes life more enjoyable now. Uh, they're not thinking of their eternal future because the eternal future of these people, as Jesus implies here, is it is not good. <laughs> it doesn't look good for them. So let us be careful, brothers and sisters. For those of us who follow Christ, uh, our culture is a culture of entertainment in America. 
And when we often see things and observe things like murder and rape and adultery and sex outside of marriage covenant and gay sex and things like deception and lying and slander, um, all in the context of entertainment, then our hearts are at risk of being calloused toward evil. We may say, well, it's just a movie or it's just a joke. But are we diminishing then the seriousness of these acts of evil just because they're in the context of pleasure and entertainment? Um, when we laugh at a crude or sexual joke, um, a crude sexual joke, then we are actually, um, our hearts are, it's a sign that our hearts are calloused toward this uh, dishonor of sexuality the way God intended it. Uh, we need to be careful, brothers and sisters. Hunger after God and his ways and his righteousness. Then Jesus wraps up his encouragement to his followers, saying in verses 22 and 23, Blessed are you when people hate you and when they exclude you and revile you and spurn your name as evil on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven, for so their fathers did to the prophets. Now this is radical and super important for us to understand as followers of Jesus. Jesus encourages his followers that when we are hated on the account that we are followers of Jesus, when we are excluded and reviled and um, pointed at as evil simply because we are associated with Jesus being followers of him, then we are to rejoice and <laughs> leap for joy um, that we uh, have this great reward in heaven because of suffering specifically in the name of the Son of Man, of Jesus. Now, this is suffering here inflicted specifically because we follow Jesus. This is not talking here about general suffering like poverty or sickness and things like that, which Jesus mentioned before, right? But here, there's a great reward for suffering because of the name of Jesus, that we bear his name. And Jesus encourages us to think of our future reward in heaven because it is great for those of us who suffer for the name of Christ Jesus specifically. Um, and then this gives us hope to endure this kind of suffering. Now, example of the followers of Jesus practicing this, we can see in Acts chapter 5, verses 40 and 41. And when they had called in the apostles, they beat them and charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. Then they left the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. Today, followers of Jesus in other countries are being murdered and beaten and tortured and put in prison and mistreated simply because they follow Jesus. Now, the time is coming when all followers of Jesus worldwide will be targeted as rebels and put to death and in prison. The book of Revelation speaks of this happening in the last days. And Jesus here encourages us to rejoice 
when this happens, for great is our reward in heaven, the kingdom of God. And then Jesus gave another warning in verse 26, saying, Woe to you when all people speak well of you, for so their fathers did to the false prophets. This warning is for those who seek popularity and reputation and acceptance of others, uh, rather than seeking after God and his righteousness. Their future is one of eternal isolation and loneliness. So the question to us then is, have we built our life around being accepted by others or being looked on as one of the in crowd? Uh, Are we a person who simply has to have everybody say nice things about us? You know, one criticism and we go off because we're so sensitive about that. So we want them to say nice things about our looks and our clothes and our personality. Jesus said, woe to you when all people speak well of you. In other words, how miserable you must be to be satisfied with popularity because it is a thing of the now and it won't last. And especially, it won't be there in the future for you if that is your sole focus. So our text today in Luke chapter 6, verses 20 through 26, is Jesus' teaching of these four encouragements for his followers, his disciples, and then these four woes for the others that are there with him. For Jesus' disciples, this was meant for them to give them hope so they would not lose heart and continue with greater determination to persevere and live with their eternity in mind. Just as the Apostle Paul wrote to the Corinthians, um, saying, So we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away, and our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light and momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. And then the Apostle Paul also wrote to the church in Rome, saying, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Do we live every day with eternity in mind? This is Jesus' encouragement to us who follow him. Do so because it'll help us persevere when things uh, are hard and difficult or we're being persecuted for our faith. You know, at the end of Peter Jackson's production, The Return of the Kings, Return of the King, Bilbo Baggins, extremely old and decrepit and weak-minded, is invited to board an elven ship to sail from Middle-earth to Valinor. And he smiles in a a youthful, and and his energy returns, youthfully returns to his eyes. And he says, I think I'm quite ready for another adventure. For followers of Jesus, death is not the end of the adventure in our dreams. It's simply a doorway um, that we pass through, leaving this world that we've experienced where our dreams and our adventures are often riddled with failure and disappointment. But we pass through this this doorway of death into a world where Jesus has prepared in his kingdom, where our dreams and adventures will continue to expand forever in his kingdom. Theologian um, Donald Blesch writes, Our greatest affliction is not anxiety 
or even guilt, but rather homesickness, a nostalgia or an eradicable yearning to be at home with God. You know, have you ever seen a, a saltwater aquarium like for ocean fish? I mean, it's really interesting to, and enjoyable to watch them because we don't get to see those kind of fish often. But when we're watching them, don't you feel like there's something wrong about the situation? I mean, these fish do not belong there. They belong in the ocean. It's not their home. I mean, they weren't made. These fish were not made for this little glass box that they're swimming around in. They were made for the great ocean to swim around in. And the fish probably don't know any better. But Jesus taught us who follow him to know better. This fallen world is not our home. We were made for some place that is way better. And that is the age to come, the kingdom of God that, God that Jesus has prepared for us who follow him. And the Bible repeatedly confirms this truth. Christian slaves even sang of going home to be with God. And they mentioned this chariot, you know, coming for to carry me home. If you've ever heard that uh, Swing Low, Sweet Chariot song. And this is a truth that is expressed by the Apostle Paul when he wrote, For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. So brothers and sisters, do not place your hope in favorable circumstances because they won't last. They're going to disappear. Life will be hard and difficult at times and disappointing. This is what the scriptures teach us. Place your hope in Jesus and his promises because he will return and we will be resurrected to life on the new earth in his kingdom and we will behold God's faith and joyfully serve him forever in his kingdom. Follow Jesus, anticipating eternity. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Persevere through whatever suffering comes our way with eternity in mind, because this is just a dot on the whole line of eternity. It's just temporary, brothers and sisters. We have the best yet to come. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your truth and this tremendous message for us who follow you, the hope we have in Christ Jesus our Lord, and the future that he has for us. May we be encouraged today by this truth and follow you with joy and perseverance through whatever you have allowed in our lives. And in the same way, Lord, may we uh, communicate this joy and hope that we have in you to those in our lives who are suffering that do not follow you, that are caught up in just focusing on the now. And may we remind each other who follow uh, you when we get off uh, focus, when we lose focus of your eternity, and remind each other of where our hope lies. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We'll see you next week, brothers and sisters. God bless.